we're on our last um, sermon on moving forward. We've done four weeks on this. This is the last one. The, the real emphasis on this, as you remember, is the most important things you can do with your life. And we identified four things, which are actually also the same four things that are identified in the grow track uh, theme-wise. And the first one was to know God, absolutely the most important thing without question. Uh, we don't have to second-guess that. God created us to know him. Uh, he, he created us that we may have a relationship with him. God has spoken. We hear him through the Spirit. We hear him through the Word. We hear him through the messages. He wants us to know him, that he's the only wise God and Savior. It's through knowing God that we have eternal life. And honestly, that's the only thing of real value. The only thing that you're going to have with you when you stand before the Almighty God is your relationship with him. That's all that's going to stand there. It's the only thing with that's, that's uh, of, of the most, I would say, most important value. Then we follow that up with finding freedom. We talked about uh, many people, even though we come to Christ, and there is that moment of freedom, that moment where you come to Jesus, you accept him as Lord and Savior, you follow that up with water baptism. There's that moment where you recognize you've been released from sin and from slavery and from bondage. It happens the moment you give your life to Jesus. But we talked about also choosing to live free. Because those chains, those shackles, you can, you can drag those things around if you don't let the freedom of Jesus be the uh, integral part of your life. You can drag those chains. And so we talked about choosing to live free and continue to live free, how to navigate through this life because temptations will come and challenges will come and different things will come and can upset the life that we're living. So we find those off-ramps, find those ways to continue to live in freedom and not go back into bondage. And then last week, we talked about discovering purpose. Uh, worship and fellowship and discipleship, that's common for all of us. Every one of us that are created, were created to worship God, to have fellowship with the body of Christ, to be in God's family, and to be a disciple of Jesus. But then there's those sovereign purposes uh, where you, you position yourself besides those general things. What is it that God is doing in my life this season, this time? that's going to have the greatest impact, uh, impact where I can really fulfill what God has called me to do, to live a life of satisfaction and peace. And so we talked about positioning yourself and passion uh, to live it out and pursuing it. Today we're going to talk about making a difference, making a difference. I got a clip uh, you're going to see um, because I want to, the whole emphasis of this sermon, the big idea is to live for the bigger picture to live beyond us, um, live for the bigger picture that's given to us from God, by God, for his purposes. Many of you, I believe, have saw Hacksaw Ridge. I think it's absolutely one of the finest uh, uh, screenplays that's ever, ever been done. I think Mel Gibson done a great job. It's about, um, those of you that have seen it know this, but Desmond Doss was a, was a young fellow. He was a pacifist, and but he believed God had absolutely called him to save people and, and to have an impact. He was a Seventh-day Adventist Christian. He would pray before he would go out on missions. He was a conscientious objector. And there were some challenges with that because of the fact that war is what it is. But he knew what God called him to do, and he knew he could make a difference doing just that. So they're going to play this clip, um, and then I will come back and carry on. 
What is your delay, Captain? We're waiting, sir. Waiting for what? Private Doss. Who's Private Doss? I always dreamed about being a doctor, but uh, didn't get much school. I can't stay here while all them go fight for me. But you figure this war is just going to fit in with your ideas? While everybody else is taking life, I'm going to be saving it. And that's going to be my way to serve. This is a gift from the United States government. I'm sorry, Sergeant. I can't touch a gun. She don't kill. No, sir. You know, quite a bit of killing does occur in war. I don't think this is a question of religion. I think this is cowardice. With the world tearing itself apart, it doesn't seem like such a bad thing to me to want to put a little bit of it back together. Private Doss, you are free to run into the hellfire of battle without a single weapon to protect yourself. Go get you home. There's something you gotta see. Who did this? That's the car. We have to go back up. And they're not gonna go up there without you. You'll have to trust me. You better come home to me. Please, Lord. Help me get one more. Help me get one more. That one line, please, Lord, help me get one more. If those of you that saw the movie understand what was happening at the time. And Private Doss saved 75 soldiers off that ridge without ever firing a shot, without ever carrying a gun. Because he came to a real understanding of what his life purpose was. And he knew he could make a difference if he just obeyed what God was telling him to do and carrying that out in his life. He recognized that it was the work of God in his life, and he lived for the bigger picture. He knew there was a great risk that he may lose his life in the process, but he lived for the bigger picture. Uh, Jacob read a passage in Matthew chapter 5, and I want to reiterate that, chapter 5 of Matthew. It's the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus introduced this whole idea of how we're to live. And if you spend time in the Sermon on the Mount, uh, chapter 5, 6, and 7, it's some real challenging stuff. But Jesus, he actually concludes that sermon by letting us know that's how the foundation of our life is to be built, upon the principles that he has laid out for us to live according to. At the same time, know that it's rewards in it because you're doing what God has called you to do, purpose to do. And in the process of that, you will make a difference in other people's life. Verse 13 of chapter 5 again says, You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Jesus uses two similes here. One is the first one is salt. And it's, it's very much understood. I don't think this one takes a whole lot of explanation. You know that salt preserves and you also know that salt gives flavor. Uh, there's, there's nothing about the soup that changes the salt it's the salt that changes the flavor of the soup. Uh, it's not the meat that changes the, the, the properties of the salt. It's the salt that changes the properties of the meat and preserves it. 
And what God is saying to us is that the divine, one of the divine properties in us as disciples is like that of salt. We're created with purpose. We're created with intent. We're change, agent, change agents, just like salt changes the taste of things. So do we with the earth. There's a, there's a, there's a direct purpose and intent, a deliberate intent for us to make a difference in the world, the community, in the places that we live, and we're to, we're to preserve the earth. Now, we know, and I'll, I'll probably spend a little bit more time with this a little bit later on when I get ready to wrap up, we know as a, as a whole that the earth obviously comes to more uh, degeneration and decay and corruption. Otherwise, we wouldn't need a new heaven and a new earth. But in the meantime, while that's taking place, there's lives to be saved and people to be touched and differences to be made that the Christian message, the Christian life, the God of the planet shows that he has an impact upon people. It's part of the process for us in our, in our life. But Jesus does a very graphic picture, though, and says, if we ever not do that, if we ever lose our saltiness, if we're not change agents, if we're not changing the flavor of situations or changing the environment, if we're not preserving the earth in the magnitude that we can by bringing in good stuff, by uh, having a good infection in the earth, if we're not doing those things, he basically saying that we're worthless, that it's, we're just to be trampled over. I read something that was kind of funny. I don't know. You guys may not see the same humor in it than me, and I always take a risk with these kind of things. But uh, a, a Jewish rabbi was, was, was talking, and he said that if salt loses its saltiness, it's no more valuable than the afterbirth of a mule. And I chuckled on that because uh, I think many of you know this. It takes a, female, a, fe- a male horse and a female uh, donkey will make a henny, but a female horse... And a, and a male donkey makes a mule. And they can't reproduce. They're sterile. And so when he says that if, if, we, if we're not salty, then we're no more valuable than the afterbirth of a mule. Basically, since there is no afterbirth, there is no effectiveness. This, uh, I don't know. I kind of laughed at it, but I, whatever. I think you got the point. It just, uh, I live by myself, folks. So, so some of this times, this stuff just, just kind of laugh. Yeah, you just kind of laugh. But as disciples... Basically, we hinder the corruption of the world. We, we can't stop it entirely. We can't stop it totally. We, we can hinder it. In the meantime, we absolutely have a role to make a difference. And if we lose that influence, which speaks of the distinction that we're living in two different societies, per se, two cultures, we have that society that does not embrace the truth of God, does not embrace the truth of Christ. And then there is a Christian society. Uh, and some may say the Christian major- m- minority, I, I, don't, I don't know, that's not quite as important. Understanding that there is a distinction. And, and, and the responsibility for us is to infect the culture and the society that's not yet Christianized. That's our role. That's our responsibility because we're salt of the earth. And then he talked about being light. He talked about being light And he says that we're lights of the world and we sit on the hill. We cannot be hidden. Light just gives off light. That's the natural property of it. Cities oftentimes can be seen from a distance because of the lights. A city on the hill certainly can be seen from a distance because that's the property 
a lighthouse, this place for a particular reason. So when ships are coming into a storm, they can see the lighthouse. It, it determines direction for them. And Jesus is saying we're called to be light to people, light to people groups, light to ethnic groups, light to nations. We give off light and darkness. And if we don't give off light, then the scriptures is real clear that the world is full of darkness. The only hope for a dark world to have light is for Christians to be who they are. If we're not who we are, then we have become part of the problem instead of being the solution. If we don't give off light in a dark place, then we're consumed by darkness. And Jesus made sure that we're not in that situation position upon giving our life to Jesus Christ. The scripture says, he said it, Jesus said it. He says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Listen to this. Because we follow Jesus, we have the light of the world in us. And just being who we are ought to be a light, uh, given off light. People ought to be attracted to us. Don't misunderstand this. Probably again my humor. Just like bugs to light. People ought to be attracted to us. Whenever we walk into a room, no matter what's going on in that room, light ought to shine in the moment you walk in. You step in, it changes things. It makes a difference. It affects the environment because we are people who put off light. That's just our natural tendency. Now, now Isaiah warned about this. If the people of God, if, if, if light does not happen, then darkness will cover the earth. Listen to what he said in Isaiah 60, verses 1 through 3. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon us. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the people. But the Lord will arise upon you, and his glory will be seen upon you. And nations shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. That's the place, that's the role of the believer. That's the role of us as disciples is to bring that light, the light of God shining upon us that affects the darkness upon the earth and people become attracted to it. Nations, the reason we send people to foreign countries, the reason we plant churches in foreign countries is because the scripture says that the glory of God will cover the earth. How does that happen? Well, light enters in. All nations need the light of Christ. Isaiah 42, 6, I, the Lord, have called you to demonstrate my righteousness. I will take you by the hand and guard you, and I will give you to my people Israel as a symbol to my covenant with them, and you will be a light to guide the nations. I know that some folks wonder, why do people want to go into Iraq and North Korea? I tell you why. Because we're to be light in dark nations. We're to be light in dark countries. Is there a risk? Absolutely there is. But come on, folks. When this is all said and done, you get to go to heaven. Who gives a rip if it happens in North Korea or if it happens down the block? It doesn't matter. If you're doing the work of the Lord Jesus Christ, you're fulfilling the commission and nations need light. Can you say amen? And we bring that light. And in bringing that light, we bring the opportunity for people to have salvation in Jesus Christ. Listen to what he says. He says, you will do more than restore the people to Israel. I love this. You will do more than restore the people, the, sorry, yeah, the people of Israel to me. You'll do more than that. I will make you a light to the Gentiles, and you will bring my salvation to the ends of the earth. 
He makes that declaration right there in Isaiah that the message of the gospel is not just for the Jews or the people of Israel, but to all people. That's making a difference. That's, that's it right there. That's bringing the message of the Lord Jesus Christ to everyone. Now, here's the issue, though. Just like salt can lose its savory, savoriness, we can hide the light. We can hide it. The, 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 the use of light here in this passage is just, and you've seen them probably on TV, just the little lamps that they hold uh, in their hand. And because they, didn't have, they don't have APS or Salt River Project and all of those things that we had, they had to make their own light, whether it be a lantern, whether it be a candle, etc. And that's how they saw. That's how they got from place to place. But they could hide that. They could cover it. They could put it underneath something. He says, no one does that. No one, no one that is being who I'm telling him to be should ever light a lamp and then put it under a stand. It should give light to all the house. And, and, and here's basically what Jesus is saying. And some of y'all don't have flashbacks, but we need to stay lit. <laughs> Give y'all just a minute to catch that. But we, we need to stay lit. I was reminded of a, just a real quick story. Pastor Dave was telling a, telling a guy at the altar about becoming part of the church. And, and in, at Father's house, they have a, a, a tent where people do grow. So they call it the grow tent. It's a big tent outside. And he was telling this dude, you know, after he had led him to the Lord, he said, now what you need to do is every week, every Sunday, you can go to our grow tent and you can hang out in our grow tent and learn more. And he was like, oh, dude, y'all got a grow tent? Relevant church. I'm like, I'm here, you know. So, so listen, <laughs> some of y'all got that. Uh, stay lit. Stay lit by the light of the Lord Jesus Christ. Ephesians 5, 8 through 9, for once you were full of darkness. But now, now, now you have the light from the Lord. Tell your neighbor, now you got the light. So live as people of light. For this light within you produces only what is good and right and true. That's all we produce. The light produces only what's good. It produces only what's right. It produces only what's true. And that has the impact. That's the difference maker. That's, that's infecting the earth. That's lighting up the world. Just staying lit, not hide ourselves, not hide the message, not get our life in all kind of twisted places where, where we're not shining like we should. Be the light of, of the Lord. L stay lit. Let people see who you are so that they know that Jesus Christ is one who can absolutely make a difference. Can you say amen? Okay, believe it or not, I'm almost done. Just hang with me here for a few more minutes. Because this is, I'm going to tell you how to make a difference, and we're going to get a little, another little clip. Because here's, here's the issue. Verse 16 says it. It says, when you let your light shine before others, when you do what Jesus has called us to do, people will see your good works. Now, here's where you never have to worry about, am I doing something for people to see me? You don't have to worry about that. Uh, as a matter of fact, that should never be a concern for you. Don't hold back from doing things because I don't want to be seen. Now, if you want to be seen so that you can get some attention and some glory, then that's, that's what's called pride and ego. And, and trust me, I've been there, done that. God will deal with that. Ain't got to say a word about it. Just keep it up. He'll deal with it. He has a way of humbling us when we don't humble ourselves. Anybody ever been there? Or, or pastor, only one making confessions today. But whenever you do things for the good, 
in the world, the good, the right, that's true, then the Scripture says what God does is uses that not to bring attention to you, but to Him. It glorifies our Father who is in heaven. And that's why we do it. We don't do it for the purpose of I want, uh, next Sunday I'm telling Philip, I got a solo. How great I am. No. We don't do that for us. Every time we do it with the right heart and the right mind and understanding what our role and responsibility is, it always brings glory to God in heaven. People say, my goodness, look at that person's life. Look at what they're doing. Look at their heart. Something must be infecting them to do this. And by God's grace, by the Spirit, He causes them to look up and glorify Him. Am I talking to the right church? And so the first step of that, obviously, and there's only two, one is salvation. That, that's, that's where it begins because what comes with salvation is the light. Listen to what Psalm 27.1 says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. That solo actually went pretty good. I may try that one week, if, but just the, the right song. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Which salvation comes light? As we give our life to the Lord Jesus Christ, the light of God comes with it. With salvation comes light. Pastor, what are you again are you saying? Well, I'm saying that if you don't have Jesus Christ, you're still in darkness. You see, because part of the process is transforming us, transferring us, or translating us, I believe is what Ephesians says, out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. Without salvation in the Lord Jesus Christ, you're still in darkness. Gross darkness is the people. And remaining in darkness is going to end up in a dark place. Just like I believe heaven is real, I believe hell is real. And it's dark. There's no light there because there's no Christ there. There's no God there. It's a dark place. It's a wailing place. It's a horrendous place. And only people that are still in darkness go to that dark place. But people that are in light, they get, get to go to the place of light. And that's where our eternal God and King lives. Once you receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, the light comes. I'm going to, 2 Corinthians 4, verse number 6. Uh, I'll leave verse 4 alone, but 6. For God who said, let there be light in the darkness, has made this light shine in our hearts so we could know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. I love this passage. For God who said, let there be light in the darkness, has made this light shine in our hearts so that we could know the glory of God that's seen in the face of Jesus Christ. We now have this light shining in our hearts. That's who we are. That's the nature of us. That's the natural property of us. Now we just got to get out there and, and get her done. And the second thing and the last thing actually is the surrender. Once our life comes to Christ, it's just to give it to him. Listen, I, I don't know if you know this, so I'm just going to give you a news flash. If you gave your life to Jesus, he owns it anyway. He owns it anyway. You don't belong to yourself anymore. You didn't pay the price for you. Jesus did. Up on a cross, he gave his life for you. He paid the price. First Corinthians, I believe, is chapter 6 says, we no longer belong to ourselves. We belong to him so that the glory of the Father will live in us. And so the call is a surrender. 
And let me just tell you what happens because here is one of those wonderful things about the work of God in our life because oftentimes Christians can get caught up in the working process of how can I do, how can I figure, how can I act, how do I do this, how do I work this all out. I'm so grateful for the promise of God because when we give our life to him and we surrender to him, he makes us another great promise. Listen to this passage. It's one of my favorite, Philippians chapter 2, verse 12. It says, work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. I like that. And watch how he defines the work. Work here being carry out, express what, what is the results of your salvation. But look at how it happens. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Now, let me just break this down to you in Yuma High School English. Let me just tell you how this breaks down. Because oftentimes, many of us, we can have the desire, but we don't have the power to work it out. And there's times you may have the power, but you don't have the desire. So God doesn't leave either one of those to us. Once we surrender our life to him, this is what he does. He put his desire for us in our hearts, and he takes his power to carry out the desire that he's put in us so that we're always doing what he's gifted us and called us to do. He doesn't even leave it to us. We just surrender. He gives us the desire, and he gives us the power, and through that, we do what pleases him. That's making a difference. That's how we make a difference. That's heart change. That's mind change. That's purpose of living change. We become the change agents. And because of that, we seize opportunities to serve our community and seize opportunities to serve our church and serve in our city and do the good things that God has called us to do. First Peter 4, 10, 11 says, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to him belong dominion forever and ever. Amen. Whatever he's given us to do, that we do. We serve him. Same heart as Jesus. The scripture says the Son of Man came on the earth not to serve. I mean, not to be served, but to serve others, to give his life as a ransom for many. I'm going to close with this clip, and I think I do have one more verse when I come back. This is a clip of a, a pastor who was traveling with a group of folks to do some work, I believe, in Bolivia. And I'll come back, pay just close attention to what takes place on this. Um, bueno, esto, nací en una familia disfuncional en el sentido de que fuimos tres hermanos eh, formo parte del de, de narcotráfico en alguna área como escolta de un jefe de estos y a mis 18 años es que el señor me rescata estando en un problema muy peligroso de vida o muerte y yo le pido a Dios y le digo sálvame, dame una oportunidad ya estando en Bolivia entonces nos conectamos con el pastor Roberto Finque y él fue el que hizo como, como que me involucrara en la parte de surge. Eh, 
veníamos a la convención en, 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 o la cumbre de Surge en Lima, uh, viajando de Santa Cruz a La Paz, que es un, una vía muy complicada, y era, había viajado en la tarde, 5 de la tarde, era las 2 de la mañana, así que ya habían durado eso y luego empezó a llover, y al llover sobre esa nieve se puso demasiado liso. Y entonces la flota, el bus rodó por un abismo, la flota venía llena, había mucha gente y rodamos, eh, estoy creo que 150 metros de caída, había una roca inmensa grande ahí que sobresalía de, de ese precipicio y salir a, la, a esa roca y la, la flota siguió hasta que llegó al, abajo al, 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 al piso, al abismo. Como a las 5 de la mañana un helicóptero que iba, iba buscando eh, eh, víctimas nos encuentra y la única mujer que iba quedó afuera. Yo sentí algo en mi corazón, no sé si fue el señor que me dijo porque no sé, pero sentí que ella debía irse ¿no? y yo debía quedarme. Entonces yo me salí y le dejé el espacio para que ella subiera. Y yo me quedé ahí y se olvidaron de mí. Se fueron y por mí vinieron como a las 9 de la mañana. Buscando y preguntando quién había sido el, que, el hombre que le había dado espacio a la señora para el rescate en el, en el helicóptero. Entonces eh, me, le, me llevaron conmigo, me abraza y él, él llora abrazándome. Y entonces yo no entiendo por qué, se me hace extraño. Y luego él me dice, cuando ya se calma un poco, me dice es que yo soy el esposo de esa señora. Yo soy el comandante, el segundo comandante de, de, de la Fuerza Naval de Bolivia. Y, y esa, esa señora es mi esposa y ella tiene tres meses de embarazo. Gracias por salvar a mi, a mi esposa y a mi hijo, me dice. Yo no sabía lo que estaba pasando hasta el momento. Y, y eso se, fue para mí una bendición, pero a la vez estaba en problema, porque al otro día, entonces el comandante me dice, pastor, eh, ¿qué puedo hacer? ¿Qué puedo ayudarle? Estoy muy agradecido por lo que tú has hecho. ¿Y qué puedo ayudarle? Entonces yo le digo, bueno, yo quiero hacer una reunión ahí. Me dice, no hay problema. Yo le reúno a la gente. Y él hizo formar a todos sus... Sus, sus soldados y allí fuimos a, abrirle, a predicarle yo he levantado algunas fotografías para Surge y creemos que Dios va a hacer un trabajo especial con estos estos militares a través o mejor después de semejante problema que yo viví pero todo era para la gloria del Señor y eso es lo maravilloso que podemos darle gloria a Cristo porque aún en lo que nosotros pensamos desafortunado para uno para el Señor es su perfecta voluntad es su plan y es su propósito Absolutely amazing story. Amazing story of how God took what could have been a setback. In this case, he could have absolutely lost his life. And God used that because he promised the Lord that if you save me, I will give you my life. Listen, church, that's, that's all this message is about. It's all about the bigger picture. You're called for a purpose. You're called to make a difference. Christ is doing something in your life, already has, and still wants to continue to do something in it. And our job, our responsibility is absolutely to make a difference. We got to live as Christians. We got to be who God called us to be. Live this life. Let that light shine. Let the salt preserve the earth and have a good infection in the places that we live, our, our homes, our neighborhoods, our community, our city. He wants us to make a difference. Am I talking to the right church? I want you to stand. We're going to close out. And I'm telling you, y'all owe me so much credit. 
I mean, it ain't even 11 o'clock. So much credit is unbelievable. So, but I want to, I want to read one last verse. And it's, it's a verse, it's a verse that is my personal life verse, my personal life verse, because everybody knows you, you, you know, or you're going to define, or I hope you define what it is that God has for you. It could be in different aspects. We all got different giftings, but I, but I know what my purpose is and my mission is. And by God's grace, I try to do it as best I can. But, but I want you to hear the words of Paul because he makes, he says a phrase here that I think should not be missed. Paul says, but my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus. The work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. Listen to what he said. My life is worth nothing to me unless. Do you got an unless in your life? Do you have an unless? My life is worth nothing to me unless. Don't say it's not worth it to me unless I get a college degree. You can get that. And honestly, you can get that without God. Just go to school and get good grades. Can you, don't say my life is not worth it to me unless I get married. It's got good to it. Believe me, it does. But come on, you got to have a bigger picture than that. Don't say my life means nothing to me unless I can buy that home or that car or get that accomplishment or that business or make this amount of money. Come on, that's shallow stuff. That's shallow stuff. But there's got to be an unless that God has deposited in your life and your heart where you get it. I know I got a purpose. I know I can make a difference. I know the Lord is saying me. And believe me, it might be radical. It might be unorthodox. It might be one of those things you come and tell me in my office and I look at you like you just lost your mind. But you say, Pastor, my life is not worth it unless that that God has made in you to make a difference with. That's where we are. And honestly, that's where I'm going to leave you. Now, if you don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, can I, just, can I just be real real, real and honest? Today, everybody's eyes is open because ain't nobody got nothing to be ashamed of. If you haven't received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and you want to receive him as Lord and Savior, just raise your hand. Somebody right there going to pray for you. So I, I'm going to believe. I'm going to believe that every one of y'all here, God bless you. We're going to pray with them. Emily, Robert, we pray with them. Anybody else? We, she needs Jesus. Get her saved right now. Set her up for baptism. We don't need to wait. Uh, anybody else? You need Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. You want a light. You want to be the light. You want to come out of darkness. Now, now I'm going to make a conclusion here. If there's nobody else saying that they want to give their life to Jesus Christ, either you already have or you haven't got there yet. We'll give you some time to get there, but I'm going to tell you, can I just tell you a couple of things? First of all, you're not here by accident. Second of all, what you just heard, I absolutely know was the word of the Lord because I use the Bible. Third of all, you're not at the sound of my voice hearing that message and the Spirit of God ain't convicting you because I know how the Spirit works. So I'm going to leave you right there. You can, you can leave out of here with your conviction, but you'll be back. You'll be back because Jesus will not leave you alone. The hounds of heaven will be on your back until you get saved. Now, here's the other part of this. 
But if you didn't raise your hand for Christ, meaning you got Christ, I'm going to pray with you that God will give you the clear picture. Some of you maybe already got it and living it out. I get it. Some of you already know, just like I know, this is my passion. Sure, I've had tons of setbacks in my life, but I know every day when I wake up what my mission is. It's to continue. Every day God gives me life. My objective is that another person comes to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. I can't make them any more promises, but I can promise them they can have eternal life if they believe in Jesus. You might know that what your mission is already, but my prayer is that you get that unless. My life is not worthy to me unless. Everybody all right? Heads bowed, eyes closed. Father, I thank you that you are an awesome and amazing God. And Lord, you do speak to us. You give direction. We, we hear the story of this dear brother from Peru. And Lord, his, his heart's desire when he gave his life to you because you delivered him out of all that sin and shame and drugs and all of those things. He said that he would do whatever you wanted him to do. And Father, you set him up through a bus accident to have access to the whole Bolivian Navy. Father, first of all, I pray you continue to bless him. This is real recent, so I pray you continue to bless him. But Father, I pray that for every one of us. Paul says, my life is not worth nothing unless. Lord, I pray for this body, this body of believers, that we would know that unless, and we will embrace it, and we will seize it. And Lord God, we would live with that deposit in our spirit. We want to be sought. We want to be light. We want to make a difference. And we trust you that you would be glorified in us. In Jesus' name we pray. May the people of God say amen. Come on, let's just give a moment. Let's just give a praise to God. A praise. We're just going to God, God. God bless you. You have a great week. The team will take us into the doxology. You be blessed of the Lord. Love on somebody on your way out.